This is Matt Connickson. I'm the sales agronomist with CHX Ag Services in Oakley, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Coonan in studio. We'll have updates from Sierra Doctor and Whitney Pittman. Low water levels on the Mississippi River have moved north from Memphis to St. Louis. The Army Corps of Engineers is starting to reduce water flows from the Missouri River. Dredging operations have now moved north to keep the barges moving. Tow operators would normally move 45 barges at a time. They're now restricted to 35 barges southbound, 25 northbound. The barges are also carrying less cargo to deal with the shallow water. Basis levels on the river have had a dramatic uptick in the past few months. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has that story. According to a USDA report, barge movements remain slow, but the New Orleans area grain terminals last week reported a 35% increase in barges unloaded compared to a week earlier. Farmers Business Network chief economist Kevin McNew says barge movements are opening up. Yeah, we have seen barge freight start to improve. It's come down in costs here in the last couple of weeks. You know, we're seeing basis levels along the river start to improve, which is a good sign for farmers. We're still a long way from the Mississippi River normalizing, but there's at least some positive movement in the right direction for farmers. Uh, but, you know, I think it highlights, uh, you know, not only the river system, but now we're talking about rail strikes. You know, we're just really seeing no end in sight of the supply disruptions around the globe. McNew says so far, basic fluctuations have stayed close to the river and haven't migrated north. The takeaway for farmers is that you know there's not a uniform impact from the basis and the barge rate issues around the country. What we're seeing, especially in the last few years, is uh, the effects of the barge rates and, and river problems are really more pronounced as you move south of St. Louis. You know, the Mississippi Delta farmers, they're so reliant on the river system. Uh, they have no other kind of end uses of that grain versus, say, in Iowa or the upper Midwest, where there's a lot of ethanol, there's a lot of soy processing. So even though rivers can be dried up or barge rates can go up in those areas, uh, there's alternative markets, and so farmers there are kind of insulated a little bit. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. All 12 railroad unions have now voted on that tentative contract agreement. Eight unions ratified the deal, but members of four other unions rejected the contract. A strike could begin as soon as December 9th. Trucker shortages and low water levels on the Mississippi River have already interrupted movement of grain products. National Grain and Feed Association President and CEO Mike Seifert said a railroad strike or lockout would be catastrophic for the U.S. economy. Bauer trading market analyst Ben Cash is seeing a sideways to lower grain trade through the holidays. Yeah, I think that for the most part we will hold. Uh, we've seen good export sales there. Uh, late last week, uh, Mexico was in for some, uh, you know, large purchase on a daily sale. So I think, um, you know, with that dollar selling off combined with a lower price there for corn, that's helped us become a little more competitive out there. But um, if we do break that 650 level on that March corn, watch out, there could be some more aggressive downside. But it seems like global buyers are willing to jump in here. Um, you know, at this 650, 660 level. And cash says the lower volume could exaggerate market swings. You know, expect a lot of volatility. We, you know, we're already running in, into it today. Um, there's a lot of 
uh, still politics out here in these markets. Uh, it's causing a lot of volatility, uh, particularly, you know, we touched on the crude, and that has a lot to do with uh, OPEC basically indicating they may uh, want to now up production again. So there's, a, you know, a lot of moving working parts here. Um, it's going to be a thinner trade, so be careful with your orders. A coalition of agriculture and petroleum groups are asking Congress for the nationwide expansion of 15% ethanol blends. The alliance includes the National Farmers Union, Renewable Fuels Association, and American Petroleum Institute. This is the first time the oil industry has joined farm groups in supporting the higher ethanol blended fuels. Milk production in the 24 major dairy states topped 18 billion pounds in October. That's up 1.4% from October of last year. South Dakota's milk output increased 14% with the state cowherd increasing 24,000 head in the past year. Minnesota's milk production was unchanged with cow numbers declining by 8,000 head. This is the Red River Farm Network. Farm news on the Red River Farm Network. Congress has a full plate but limited time to act in the lame duck session. Syngenta Senior Manager of Federal Government and Industry Relations, Mary Kay Thatcher, says it is difficult to accomplish much during a lame duck. You know, had we uh, had the Senate flip to Republican, then I would think you would have seen everything in the next few weeks be aimed at more judicial nominees, the more they could shove through. But now they know they got two more years, probably not going to do that. We do have to get some kind of budget through. We have to do national defense, but I don't think there's a shot in the world we get ag immigration issues fixed. Uh, they're working hard at it. I think they're very right that if it doesn't happen in the lame duck, it ain't happening for the next couple of years. Um, but I don't look for a whole lot to occur. The Senate still needs to confirm Doug McCallop's nomination to serve as the chief agricultural trade ambassador and Alexis Taylor's nomination to be USDA's next trade undersecretary. A budget bill also must be passed. They absolutely will either have to pass an omnibus still, whatever, just the rest of the fiscal year and go on with that, or, um, uh, yeah, they, there's not really much other choice, and they really do have to do national defense. But those are the two kind of have to do now. But as far as things really affecting agriculture, I don't see much happening. South Dakota Farm Bureau President Scott Vanderwall says with elections now in the rearview mirror, their strategy is changing on what priorities they're taking into farm bill discussions. Yeah, that was really a big unknown. And, and now that we know that the Republicans took control of the House, uh, we think that's probably going to shift the focus away from climate change and social equity and some of those kind of things uh, like it has been uh, in the last couple of years and really focus on the producer programs or the price support programs that are part of the of the farm bill. That will be a little bit of a change from what it would have been, and I think that's good because uh, we need to focus on the price support programs, the producer side of it, and make sure that we continue to have uh, adequate risk protection. In other words, crop insurance really uh, works well, and we want to that. Vanderwall says support for pasture insurance is also a priority for South Dakota Farm Bureau. Maybe make a few tweaks in the uh, insurance in regard to things like treating grazing land the same as uh, land that's going to behave as far as what level of coverage a person can, can buy for crop insurance. So we think that's probably the major change, and uh, it, it's just very interesting when you think about the balance of power, and, and a lot of times when you've got a divided uh, balance of power, things work a little better, and it forces them to work together and compromise. 
The Minnesota Farm Service Agency is reflecting on a successful year and is reminding eligible farmers and ranchers to vote for county committees before the December 5th deadline. Red River Farm Network Farm Broadcaster Whitney Pittman as more. Minnesota FSA Executive Director Whitney Place says despite expiring contracts, CRP acres were maintained in Minnesota and that loan program goals were met for a successful 2022 year. We've had a lot of good success in Minnesota. We, we maintained our CRP acreage, um, even though this was like a big uh, year for contracts to be up. And so we were excited about that. You know, we put out a lot of money um, with the ERP program. Um, we, we met significant goals with our loan programs. And Place also reminds farmers and ranchers that FSA County Committee ballots are due by December 5th. Sure. Uh, we're going to talk about the role of both state and county committees um, for farmers out there. Their county committee ballots are due on December 5th, and so we really... Um, we value those people who put who volunteer to participate on those committees. Um, that's really an appeal body for farmers to make sure that they're getting, you know, the services of USDA delivered in an equitable manner. And so, you know, cast your vote. Um, Place encourages farmers and ranchers to be in contact with their local FSA offices as details for Phase 2 of the Emergency Relief Program become available and to keep track of any new programs that may be on the way. Minnesota State Fair CEO Jerry Hammer plans to retire next spring. Hammer has been on the State Fair staff for over 50 years, including 26 years as its CEO. State Fair Board of Managers has started a search process. The Minnesota Turkey Growers Association will present a Thanksgiving bird to Minnesota Governor Tim Walls today. A donation will also be made to the food shelf. Minnesota leads the nation in turkey production. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. According to the National Agricultural Statistics Service, nearly 70% of North Dakota's subsoil moisture is rated short to very short. Pasture and rangeland conditions are 30% poor to very poor. 94% of North Dakota's sunflowers are harvested up from the average of this date of 77%. More than half of Minnesota's subsoil moisture is rated poor to very poor. The corn harvest is 98% complete. 5% ahead of the long-term average for this state. Minnesota's sunflower harvest is done. Dry conditions also a concern in South Dakota. Subsoil moisture supplies rated 80% short to very short. Over 60% of South Dakota's pasture and rangeland is in poor to very poor condition. Sunflower harvest 96% complete. That compares to the average for this date of 77%. U.S. beef exports are on a record pace for the first nine months of the year. U.S. Meat Export Federation Chairman Dean Meyer is impressed with the global demand for protein. When we can increase sales despite COVID, despite infrastructure issues, port issues, and uh, the rising dollar and still increase sales beef in particular, 20% increase in value over last year. You know there's opportunity out there. Meyer credits USMEF with diversifying the market and promoting undervalued meat cuts. Beef tongue, for example, here is worth maybe $3 a pound. I was in Japan six weeks ago and went into a supermarket they had beef tongue for $25 U.S. dollars on the shelf. That's, that's where USMEF really adds value is those uh, underutilized variety meats. 
it adds $60 a head to every carcass, beef carcass we have here, and over $10 a head to all the pork carcasses, just, just in variety meats. Brazil's mandatory 10% biodiesel blend will remain in place until the end of March. The blend will move to 15% in April. A new president will take office in January, which could impact the biodiesel decision. Checking markets this morning, we are mixed. Minneapolis wheat down a fraction, not a quarter penny for the Dees contract, 947 and three quarters, March down a half cent, while Chicago wheat is a half cent higher for December, 799 and three quarters. Hard red winter wheat, that same contract, a quarter penny higher. Dees corn, 661, one and a half higher. March, 665, one and a half better. Soybeans are down, down two and a quarter for January, 1434 and a half. March, down by two and a half at 1439 and a quarter. As we check in on the farm calendar, uh, Farm Credit Services of Mandan has a triple up commodity marketing seminar going on uh, today in Mandan. They'll be at the uh, Farm Credit Service Agribusiness Center starting at 5.30. Their keynote speaker, Brett Elke from Innovus Agra. Also on the farm calendar, the Northern Ag Expo is coming up. It'll be held uh, in one week on the 29th and 30th. This is the 51st annual Northern Ag Expo. Uh, their speakers will be uh, including a look at weather and ag, grain market update, uh, that'll feature uh, Frayne Olson from NDSU, Randy Martinson of Martinson Ag Risk Management, and Betsy Jensen of Northland Community and Technical College. Again, that's November 29th and 30th uh, next week. Look for the Red River Farm Network in that trade show as well at the Fargo Dome. Have yourself a great Tuesday. This is the Red River Farm Network.